Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 181, My Bullheaded Superhero Valentine, an extra episode coming to you on Friday, February 14th, 2020. So I was in the gym at five o'clock this morning, and when I was running on the treadmill, I was listening to some podcasts, Joanna Penn from The Creative Pen, and Mark Dawson and James Blatch from the Self-Publishing Show podcast, and I don't know how or why, but I got the idea in my head, hey, I should read the first chapter of my Valentine's Day book and post it on Valentine's Day. Great idea, but Today is the day before Valentine's Day. So I decided it just sounds fun and I want to do it. So I haven't prepped for it. (laughs) Basically, it's the afternoon of the 13th. I have 500 other things that I need to do, but I just wanted to do it for fun. So if you're watching on YouTube, um, haven't really dressed for it or (laughs) anything else, I read it just to myself uh, a few minutes ago to see about how long it would take to read chapter one. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So (laughs) here I am reading chapter one of my Valentine's Day book to you. And then uh, at the end, you can decide whether or not it sounds fun and you want to get a copy and finish it and see how it ends. It's a pretty short story, maybe, um, I don't know, probably less than an hour to read it, I would guess. Uh, I don't remember the last time that I read it all the way through, but uh, it's um, probably a hundred-ish pages. I'm not sure. I probably should have. I probably should have looked before I even mentioned it. But like I said, it was like hurry up and do it without any preparation, or don't do it at all. So here I am. But it is available as an ebook wherever you like to uh, buy books, and um, I'm working on the print version. And I have to say, I've been kicking around the idea of doing an audio version that was read by me, the author. So um, if you like it, and you're like, yeah, I would love to have the rest of the book read by you, let me know, and I will make a point of doing that. So without further ado, changing into my reading glasses, here we go. My Bullheaded Superhero Valentine, Chapter One. There had to be a way. He was a superhero for Pete's sake. Surely he could get a woman to go out on a date with him, one woman in particular. Bull Kincaid lay on his oversized leather couch, tossing a throw pillow in the air. He stared at the ceiling, thinking... I Love Lucy played in the background, but even Lucy Ricardo couldn't get his mind off his troubles today. He'd come straight home from his day job as a history teacher and wrestling coach at Glenview High School, so he could figure this out. His superhero team had the night off, so he had plenty of time before Haley got home to come up with a plan. Valentine's Day was four days away. He couldn't woo her with a bouquet of flowers because... A, she owned a nursery so she could get all the flowers she wanted, and B, she preferred live flowers to cut ones. She had the supernatural ability to make plants grow and multiply in the blink of an eye, and she'd made it clear she preferred that the flowers continue to flourish. Maybe he could give her a potted rose bush and put a big red bow on it. But where would he get one of those in February in northern Michigan, besides at her nursery? Okay, not flowers. She liked chocolate as much as anyone, but she didn't go gaga over it like some women, so that was out. He bounced the throw pillow off the ceiling. Think, think. Once again, he was hampered by his tiny brain. You may be big, but you're dumb, dumb, dumb. 
He closed his eyes tightly and imagined himself pushing his father's voice out of his head. Joe's dad had taught him that visualization trick a few years ago. Not that it helped. He wasn't getting any smarter. He couldn't even get this one girl to go out with him. Previous attempts to coax a date from Haley had been met with a variety of responses from not on your life six years ago to I'm not hungry last night. Sure, he could keep coasting on the crumbs she gave him, but he wanted more. Even a little bit more, like one real live date would make him happy. At least it would show progress. Okay, come on, you can do this. What would make her go on a real date with him rather than just use him for sex and comfort? He'd worked with Haley on the same superhero team for going on eight years. He'd probably been in love with her for seven and a half. For the last six years, if she was lonely or upset, she came to him and they had the most amazing nights. She always left before breakfast, breaking his heart each time. But he knew she had come to love him, at least a little. He was almost positive. Watching his best friend and fellow superhero Joe Clark fall in love with his new wife, Tori, and seeing them together these last few months gave Bull an idea of what married love was like, and it made him believe he wasn't imagining things. Haley Addison loved him. If she were just using him for sex, for instance, she wouldn't give him gifts. Not that she used that word, but she brought him things he didn't know he needed to make his house livable. She gave him a tie last year before parent-teacher conferences because you can't wear the same tie every year. After he said he liked ferns and ivy, green plants that he couldn't kill and that didn't drop flower blossoms he'd have to clean up, he found several potted plants in his house. But the most obvious proof that she loved him happened in December when she went to the mall with him and Joe and Tori and she let him hold her hand. She'd only allowed this public display of affection during the last couple of months, and only when they were with their two closest friends, probably because she felt safe with them. Nevertheless, it occurred before the Curtis episode, so he knew it was real, not a byproduct of that horrific experience. She loved him. She was just scared. He stilled, pillow gripped in his fists. So it wasn't that he needed to convince her that she loved him and should marry him and live happily ever after together. He needed to take away her fear. But how could he erase years of anxiety and abuse for her when he couldn't get his own father's voice out of his head? He'd gotten counseling from Joe's dad, a retired superhero turned pastor. He prayed regularly and asked God to heal him, and he'd found great relief from the worst of his past hurts, and he poured his heart into the hurting kids around him, trying to give his students the encouragement and support he never had. But still, his father's taunts would pop up like a jack-in-the-box and startle him into feeling like he wasn't fully human, like he was half a man and not the good half. So how could he help Haley? He couldn't force her into counseling, though he knew Pastor Owen had tried to help her. He couldn't make her believe that God trusted her with this gift to help mankind if she insisted on seeing it as a curse. He couldn't force her to relax and let down her guard when she believed her defenses were all that protected her. When she felt safe, then she'd open up. He threw the pillow at the ceiling, his grin reappearing. He knew he made her feel safe. How could he expand on that? Maybe he could make his house and yard a plant oasis like her nursery. Then she'd always want to be here. He wouldn't use his powers at home, and he'd make sure none of his friends did either. If she wanted to quit being a superhero, fine. He'd try to keep the superhero world all but invisible to her, just as it was to most of the people of Double Bay. 
and he'd make sure she never had to deal with the kind of despicable people they'd all fought last month at Curtis Research Facility. He couldn't imagine what it would be like to find out your best friend's biological father was Double Bay's biggest villain. Not only that, but that he performed genetic experiments on children, even kidnapping his own grandson. Bull wiped his eyes, trying to wipe away the images of that night. It was the kind of horror that made you quit or forced you to redouble your efforts. While Haley hadn't exactly moved in afterward, she hadn't gone home much either. She slept in his bed all night, showered here, ate here, watched TV here. He knew she stopped at her apartment every few days because she would have different clothes or a new book, the previous things disappearing. Maybe things had already turned in his favor. His grin slipped. No, if she were feeling safe, she wouldn't be having the nightmares. He crushed the pillow against his chest, staring at a watermark on the ceiling. His heart hurt for her, actually ached in his chest. Seeing those children had sickened everyone, but especially Haley. She'd quit the team that night and had been hiding out in Bull's house ever since. Only their immediate team members knew, but no one had said a word. They couldn't fault her for running away, but Bull didn't think anyone realized how desperately Haley wanted to be a mother with a normal life. He didn't think even Tori realized the depth of Haley's maternal instincts. He understood, though. He considered the boys on the wrestling team his boys. He'd do anything to protect them, to protect any child. Bull scrubbed at his eyes. He stood over six and a half feet tall and tipped the scales at nearly 300 pounds of muscle before breakfast. His supernatural strength had saved dozens, maybe hundreds of people. He'd caught crooks, stopped robberies, and once he'd pulled a sewer drain apart with his bare hands to rescue a puppy caught inside. But he hadn't been able to do a damned thing to help that dying boy. He threw the pillow across the room. He'd had a few nightmares of his own. He jumped off the couch and paced the living room. Haley, come on, focus. Okay, what about other women? Some of the female teachers at school flirted with him. They complimented him on his friendly smile and laid-back personality. How could he use this to his advantage? Maybe try to make Haley jealous somehow? No, knowing his Haley, that would just push her further away. Plus, she knew he hadn't dated anyone else. Not really. A few meals here and there. He hadn't so much as taken another woman to the movies in the last, what had it been, three years? Four? He shook his head. She knew he was mad for her, was waiting for her to change her mind, but she was about as bullheaded as anyone he'd ever met. He'd never considered himself stubborn, but in this case, he would outlast her, whatever it took. He looked around the living room and tried to see it from a woman's perspective. First, he needed to pick up the pillow he'd thrown and straighten the lamp that now teetered on the edge of a side table. He folded the blanket that he usually kept stuffed at one end of the couch and stepped back. He rearranged the throw pillars, throw pillows so they were equidistant apart. Nothing more he could think of there. He moved the TV remote and the stereo remote to a side table and straightened a stack of papers, mail, and magazines piled on the coffee table. Another step back. Nope. He grabbed the pile and looked around for a place to put it. Where would a woman put the mail she hadn't read yet? He wandered into the kitchen, the table, right? But it still had this morning's breakfast crumbs on it. He started to put the mail on the counter, noticed crumbs there too, and finally set it on the floor. He got out cleaner and a handful of paper towels and wiped everything down. Then he put the pile from the living room in a neat stack in the middle of the table. It didn't look right, but he didn't have a better idea. 
He grabbed his coat and scarf from the back of the kitchen chair where he'd tossed them and hung them on the iron coat rack on the inside porch. Back in the kitchen, he debated mopping the kitchen floor for about three seconds. Then he looked at his watch and hurried to the bedroom. He made the bed, put his dirty clothes in the hamper, and neatened the bathroom as best he could. He stood in the middle of the bedroom looking around. Neatness and cleanliness, that's what women wanted, right? He'd have to start making those things a priority. Was Haley's place neat and clean all the time? He hadn't been there enough to remember. He wasn't sure if she was a neat freak in general, or if she was just trying to leave a small footprint here. Go unnoticed. Ha! He'd never notice, he'd, he'd notice her wherever she was, no matter how unobtrusive she was trying to be. He checked his watch again. Any minute she'd be home, if she didn't stop by her apartment or the grocery store. Where should he wait? He heard the TV in the living room and headed that way, then paused in the doorway. He turned around and pulled off his GHS wrestling t-shirt and hurled it at the hamper. Pulling a clean shirt from a drawer, he started back out, checked his stride and turned around and put his dirty shirt in the hamper rather than leaving it on top. Satisfied, he strolled nonchalantly back to the couch and turned his eyes back to Lucy's black and white adventures. He put his arm on the back of the couch and tried to relax. He twisted around and put his legs up on the cushions, getting comfortable. Then he sat up straight again, listening to outdoor sounds more than the TV. Finally, he heard the outside door slam shut in the winter wind. He rushed to the kitchen, then leaned against the counter, trying to look casual. He couldn't stand the suspense. He walked over and casually opened the door to the back porch. Haley noticed him with a brief, hi, and pulled off her knit cat. Knit hat. Her straight, dark hair danced in the air with static electricity. He watched as she hung her hunter green wool coat and matching scarf on the coat rack. She leaned against the door frame, pulled off her snowy boots, and danced the two steps into the kitchen in her t- stocking feet. Bull backed out of her way a few steps, admiring her long legs and graceful m- movements. She was beautiful. She leaned through the door and picked up a plastic bag and her purse from the floor of the porch, then straightened and shut and locked the door. Bull wanted nothing more than to march over to her, wrap his hands in her hair, and kiss her senseless. He still wasn't sure how to get her to say yes, but maybe she'd agree to a date if he could keep her from overthinking it. He folded his arms over his chest and fought to control himself. I brought Chinese for dinner, she said, holding up the heavy plastic bag. All your favorites. Maybe he should go with his first impulse. He didn't have a better plan. What could it hurt? In two long strides, he closed the distance between them, moved the bag from her hand to the floor, and let himself do what he wished, just this once. The feel of her flooded his senses. One arm pulled her close, while his other hand tangled in her soft hair. His mouth came down on hers with the passion he normally kept hidden. He felt her surprised gasp and took advantage of the moment, exploring her mouth with abandon. She smelled like wild fruit. She tasted like spearmint. She was everything he wanted in the world. After a moment, Haley responded, pressing up against him, kissing him almost as thoroughly as he kissed her. Her hands slid up his chest and through his hair, eliciting a groan he couldn't hold in. When she wrapped her arms around his neck, he picked her up, bringing their mouths to the same level. He took a step forward and braced her body against the door. With one arm holding her up, he used his other hand to explore the contours of her face, the graceful length of her neck, all the while kissing her like it was the end of the world. 
Bull's heart swelled to a giant ache in his chest. He wanted her to feel how much he loved her. She needed to know, to really understand how much she meant to him. Then surely she would finally allow herself to be loved. They held each other close, kissing and touching and letting themselves get carried away. When the kisses finally ended, they were both breathing heavily. I should bring you Chinese more often, Haley panted. I want to take you out, a real date, on Valentine's Day. Bull surprised himself with his outburst. He'd treated her like a scared, wounded fawn for so long, he was afraid his demand would send her packing. But now that it was out there, he wouldn't back down. He let her slide down so her feet touched the ground, but he didn't let go. I'll make reservations, we'll get dressed up, I'll drive, and I'll pay. He wanted to make that clear. She rarely allowed him to treat her and often insisted on driving her own car. His tone sounded unnaturally firm to his ears. Would she be offended? While he was trying to decide if he should soften his demand, she answered. But, um, it's this Sunday, Haley stumbled over her words. She didn't sound argumentative, just unable to think coherently. Bull's heart pounded in his chest, a kind of testosterone-induced satisfaction. He'd kissed her so well she couldn't think. He needed to remember to add that to his arsenal. Arsenal for a fight. That was something he understood. Maybe it was time to take her to the mat, force her to fight or tap out. No more careful handling. Ever since he had come into his power of superhuman strength, he'd been trying not to fight, afraid he might hurt someone. He taught his boys at school how to wrestle fairly, playing by the rules, keeping fights on the mat. However, it occurred to him now, he did teach his boys to fight to win, but he hadn't been fighting as hard as he could have for Haley. He'd been playing carefully, trying to be a gentleman, a gentleman. Well, that ended now. Let the war begin. Sunday night, he said with new confidence, we'll leave here at seven. Haley studied his face for a moment, and Bull readied himself for battle. Her eyes dropped to his lips. He knew she thought of their kiss when she wet her lips with the tip of her tongue. She cleared her throat and turned away. Fine, she said, reaching for the bag of steaming Chinese food resting on the floor. Thank goodness she'd turned her back. Bull needed a moment to pick his jaw up off the floor. She said yes. And that's the end of chapter one. (laughs) So that is the only Valentine's Day book that I have written so far. It's five or six chapters long. And um, it is in the in the series of the superhero books, which is the adventures of Lewis and Clark. <laughs> the adventures of Lewis and Clark. Um, there's um, what is the first book? A <laughs> superhero in disguise is when Joe and Tori, who are truly the main characters, Tori, if I had to pick one, is the main character of the series. That's when they meet on Valentine's Day. Then a very merry superhero wedding is when Tori and Joe get married on Christmas Eve. Then unexpected super, and the first one is a sort of an accidental prequel short story. And then the wedding Christmas book is a. Um, well, I called it a novella. Technically, it's novel length, but it's uh, a little bit less than half as long as what's supposed to be the first book in the series, Unexpected Superhero, which is about 100,000 words or almost 400 pages. So um, 
that's why I called the Christmas book a novella, just because it's it's half as big <laughs> as the main first book. And then one day it was Valentine's Day, and I was like, I should write a Valentine's Day book. I know it'll be about Bull and Haley, who are Joe and Tori's best friends, and Bull's like just unrequited love for Haley. <laughs> and could I get them to um, to actually be able to go out on a date on Valentine's Day? but they're superheroes. So I can tell you their date will not go as planned. <laughs> so that's it. That is the end of this extra episode. You'll have to tell me if you liked it, if you want some more. Um, and in any case, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I hope it gave you a little bit of entertainment, whatever you're doing today. And uh, we'll do the next regular episode as an interview as usual next Thursday. And in the meantime, I hope you have a lovely, fabulous weekend. I'll talk to you later.